You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey folks, welcome to In the Dome. We are sponsored by DraftKings. Now this week we're sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook. If you're in Canada, you can't access this, so this is for our American listeners only. If you are in Canada, you continue to use DraftKings for all your daily fantasy sports needs. The NFL is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new players a can't-miss offer for Week 1. Bet just $1 on any NFL game during the first week of the season and receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. Take advantage of this limited time offer now. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That promo code is THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. For a limited time, only DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older in NJ, IN, or PA only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the In the Dome podcast, podcast, podcast. Okay, another cool guest. We've had a couple analytic beasts on lately, Abe Kent Wilson and now Byron Bader. Tell us about Byron Bader again. This whole analytic thing is more your world than mine. Um, we, we touched on it briefly in the actual podcast, but give us a little bit more background. Sure. So if you're a Flames fan or you follow us or you are on Twitter or you exist or you don't live under a rock, you probably have seen at some point uh, Byron's like prospect charts. You'll see them as like player comparison tools. So he runs hockeyprospecting.com. He is from Calgary. He used to write for Flames Nation. A lot of good analytic stuff. Um, and then he started this, this uh, hockey prospecting model that he does pretty much full-time now. So he's like a data scientist. Dude is legit. He's a pro. Um, he, uh, like, the amount of knowledge this guy has, not only about the Flames, but about prospects in general, is pretty awesome. So that was pretty great. Nice to get a Flames fan. I get two Flames fans. We got Ken yeah. Wilson and Byron Beta, both Flames fans. Both know what they're talking about. Um, let's go through his top 10 list that we pulled up. It looked like, it sounded like he was working off a bit of a different top 10 list, but... Uh, based on his model from what we could pull up, here's the top 10. One, Yuso Valimaki. Two, Connor Zari. Three, Ilya Solovyov. And there's two models. You, you can speak to it afterwards. Um, but this this is mostly just any their, their chances of making the NHL being NHL players, correct? Yeah, that's right. So, um, we, so we made our list based off of his the lowest, to, the highest to lowest NHL probability percentage. Four is Matthew Coronado, Jacob Pelche is number five, six, Rory Karens. Is it? Karens. Mr. Karens. Seven, Cole Huckins. Eight, Matt Phillips. Ryan, nine, Francis. Ten, William Stromgren. Worth noting in there, uh, Coronado is actually ranked second in terms of potential for being a star. He touched on one of his hot takes. You'll you'll get it, but he touches on Coronado and both Zari. Also big on Valimaki. Um what else do you want to touch on in terms of this top 10 list? Well, yeah, you see his model a lot out there and some people just get like so mad 
like I was bugging him about Senators fans getting mad at him. His model essentially just looks at scoring rates to determine the probability if a prospect will become an NHL player or an NHL star. That's the basic premise of it. So if you if you use his tool, which I highly suggest you do, it's like 20, maybe it's 30 bucks a year. It's totally worth it. Um, but you'll see there's two different charts. You'll see the star probability. You'll see the NHL probability. So the star probability just denotes um, if they score at a certain rate in their career. So it's more about like high-end scoring rates, whereas a player has a higher probability if they just like get to a certain level of games. I mean, it's a really interesting perspective to look at because usually as fans, we, we know the current team inside and out. Um, but then, you know, the next kind of level is what's in the prospect in the prospect pool, what's in the pipeline, what can we expect based on, you know, the drafts we've seen the last three to five years, how that's going to pan out. So that's really what the conversation is today is talking about the players that aren't Calgary flames currently yet on the, on this current roster and who we might expect to see in the future and what we can expect to see from them. I'm sure there's names that you've all recognized based on the previous drafts. And so today we go in a little bit in depth in each of those individuals. Hope you enjoy the show. Byron Bader, everybody. Hey, folks. We are really stoked to be joined by Mr. Byron Bader today. If you're a Flames fan or a hockey fan, you are definitely familiar with his work. He's written for Flames Nation and he runs Hockey Prospecting. It's a fantastic tool it's a fantastic site i suggest everybody check it out if you haven't already um we're stoked to be joined so hey byron just for anybody who doesn't know maybe just give us a quick background on who you are and, and what you do yeah so i'm byron bader i'm uh essentially a, a data analytics professional um and you know a a hockey analytics hobbyist i guess um yeah so like you said i, I wrote for flames nation for a number of years, probably going back probably about five years now that I stopped there. But yeah, I wrote different kind of analytical pieces. That was where I started and then started hockey prospecting a couple of years ago, which is essentially a, a prospect um, database slash analytical tool to uh, sort of get a gauge of the types of prospects each team has in their system and, and who they're drafting and their likelihood of making the NHL and turning into essentially offensive stars in the NHL. Um, yeah. So that's, that's a bit about me and, and what I'm, what I'm doing. Yeah. I remember, I remember reading your stuff flames nation years ago and just being like blown away by a lot of the analysis. And that's really between you and Ken Wilson, kind of two of the guys who really started, uh, you know, bringing a lot of these things to, to, you know, public writing in Calgary. So I've always been a huge fan of yours. So it's, it's cool to talk to you today. Awesome. Yeah. I haven't, uh, I haven't talked to too many of the the Flames Nation fans in a while, so it's it's funny to 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 hear about that website and, and brings me back to sort of my my start in hockey analytics, I guess, writing with Kent and the whole crew there at Flames Nation. So it's safe to say you're a Flames fan, then? Yeah, yeah, born and raised in Calgary. Um, basically, been here my whole life, except for a small stint where I was in in Lethbridge for university. Uh, yeah, so. It's, it's, it's in my blood, you know, grew up a Flames fan my whole life. My, my older brothers were, were Flames fans too. So, you know, caught me, kind of got me involved early and I've been part of the ride ever since. So, so do you hate the Oilers as much as we do? Uh, <laughs> I have to be more objective, um, you know, just with, with what I'm doing now, but I mean, yeah, there's always that kind of distaste for them. It's mostly, you know, you, you don't want to see the Oilers get nice things and you don't want to see them really succeed. I don't know if I really hate them, but there's still that, you know, you, you always want the Flames to be better no matter the situation. I mean, based on the reaction to, on Twitter lately, it seems you hate the Ottawa Senators the most. Is that? <laughs> yeah. Is that yeah, I actually, I hate nobody, but I just, I try yeah. to voice my opinions. But yeah, the Senators fans, when you, when you say something that is against the grain or a little bit or something negative, then they, they really don't like that. <laughs> So we're going we're gonna to try and cover as much Calgary Flames terrain we can. Um, let's start with, give us, I mean, a lot of your work's done, uh, done for prospecting 
Uh, if you look at some of the drafts in the past few years, what would you say uh, Tree Living's draft strategy um, has been in the past three, five years? Yeah, so I mean, if you look back at when he kind of first came in, sort of, I guess, officially taking over in like 2014, like that one really seemed like, you know, he didn't quite have the wheel yet. That was kind of a, a Burke type draft. You know, they didn't, it wasn't great. Um, you know, they got Bennett and then they got a lot of kind of Hail Mary, low probability type guys. And then, you know, 15, 16 was really good. That seemed to be, you know, he seemed to be picking up on stuff. Um, you know, he trades away the first round pick for Dougie Hamilton in 2015, but he still walks away from that draft with Anderson, Shillington and Majipani, like really cashing in on those, those high probability guys. I mean, all three of those guys look like, you know, solid bets to make the NHL. And sure enough, basically all three of them have 2016 as well. Um, that's one of the better drafts essentially of any team in the past, you know, 20, 30 years getting two stars out of it in Fox and Kachuk, and then also getting Dubé out of the deal. And then you might have, you know, a guy like Matthew Phillips who sneaks into the NHL type thing. So then from, you know, 2017 to 2019, um, you know, they're, they're trying to more kind of go for it, I guess. And they started trading away a lot of their high picks. So then, and just in terms of, of how they drafted, they didn't draft for as strong of, um, you know, the high probability guys, or at least the, the guys with some probability of making the NHL There's a lot of pro, uh, low probability bets in there. And then from, you know, 2020 to 21, it's actually looked really good. Like they've, they've, they've been taking the, essentially the, the best looking prospects available by my tools anyways, um, you know, for the majority of the draft, you know, in 2020, they, they traded back a couple times, but then still got Connor Zari who looked great. He looked like a guy that typically goes, you know, in the teens um, in the first round type thing. And they, they end up getting him kind of, you know, 10 to 15 spots later, which is great. Cause I mean, he's, he's good value. Looks like certain, certainly like a guy who's going to make the NHL and has a potential to be a star. And then they also, you know, they also draft a lot of these younger guys that have, some potential to make the NHL like a lot of a lot of guys that look like this make the NHL and do well um and you know a lot less of those you know those those really low probability guys that never seem to make it these guys that have a 10 to 20 percent chance of making the NHL and then when you look back at the data like that's exactly what happens only about 10 percent of these guys make it so a lot less of those in 2020 and then the same thing in 2021 they sort of did the exact same thing. They got um, Coronado in the first round who looks very similar to Zari. He's kind of, you know, not maybe that superstar potential, but there's some good potential there. And then a lot of these, these younger guys with upside that can actually make the NHL and aren't these long balls. So it's kind of been a mix with, uh, with tree living over his, over his tenure. I'd say it's kind of half and half between, you know, some really, really strong drafts and, and starting to pick up on some trends and then some drafts where, you know, they traded away a lot of the picks and then they took, some low probability bets. So it's kind of a, a mixed bag with pre living for sure. What's been your, um, as a flames fan, what would you kind of, what do you like about what he's been doing and what, what do you think he should be doing differently? Um, the last two years, especially like I've really liked what, what they've been doing and, and how they've been drafting. I mean, that's exactly, you know, how I would, suggest a team do it you know you cash in on the the high probability like my my goal with my website my resources and stuff is is not to say this is a player you should pick it's basically to provide options of here's you know 10 or 20 players that look pretty good then it's up to kind of the scouts and that type of thing to say okay within these 10 players um this is a player we should choose so i mean that's kind of what they've been doing from 2020 to 21 is is cashing in on a lot of these, you know, there's this big group of high probability guys. So go and take one of those guys. And I mean, in terms of suggestions for what they should do differently, it's basically just continue on with that and start to take out more of those low probability bets more and more as, as you sort of draft, because even, even with 2020 and 21, they had really good drafts, but you know, there's still two or three picks within there that are, as I would kind of call it, those low probability guys. But I mean, if a team theoretically drafts basically in the high probability contingent the whole way, 
um, well, and letting all the other teams take these low probability bets, you're just going to end up way further ahead over the long run. You know, if you look at five to 10 years down the road and you basically strictly take these guys that tend to make the NHL, you're going to basically have the best drafting success in the NHL. So um, yeah, I've loved what they've done the last couple of years. It's basically just continuing on with that and, and, and removing those, those guys that have no chance essentially, or, or very few of them make it anyways. So you mentioned this year's draft. I, I know you were a big fan of last year's for sure. Um, specifically this year, is there one pick that like really got you jazz? I know like last year you were a big Ryan Francis guy. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but this year, who who's one guy who's maybe kind of under the radar or one guy you're, you're keen on from, from any point in this year's draft from the flames? Yeah. I mean, obviously Coronado was, was perfect to pick there. Like I was kind of looking at Sillinger Coronado at that point, and then Sillinger went right before. So that was basically the pick I wanted. So yeah, really like that pick. I think he's got really good upside. And then in terms of guys that went a little bit further, like Stromgren and why not they show moderately well, especially in the model. They're, they're both younger guys, which is, um, you know, really big for this type of stuff. Like even if you're looking at a player, you know, born in January versus a player born in June, like that six months different is massive with this type of stuff, especially with those guys that are kind of in the middle and you don't know which way they're going to go. Like the younger ones have that big development year that they can take in their, in their D one season. So I really like those, those picks, especially. Um, I think they have some upside there. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Huckins was also looked pretty good. Um, so those four specifically were the ones that that looked really good to me. And they were those, you know, those younger players that maybe haven't fully hit their their stride, but they have lots of upside and they they have signs that, you know, they could be NHLers in the future for sure. Cool. Well, we thought we'd get into just kind of some player by player here in terms of the Flames prospects. But firstly, do you mind just kind of getting into your your model as a whole? Um what does it look to accomplish? What, what are you tracking? Um, how does it work kind of in layman's terms? Yeah, sure. So basically what it is, is it kind of standardizes scoring across the board. Um, and it looks at all the players sort of on the same level playing field so that you can look at them all through the same lens. And you're essentially watching them all basically from the same age point too. So you move, you know, you move over ages back so that you're looking at everybody basically from their first eligible draft year, looking at them over a five-year period. And then you're watching how they're sort of moving through these different thresholds, I call them, of production. So you take, you know, production by each league. There's theoretically 50 different leagues that a player is going to come from that, you know, re realistically, they, they make the NHL from anyways. But each league is different in terms of how that production relates back to the NHL. So you kind of you know, I've got all these equations that take all these leagues and basically flatten it all onto the same level playing field and normalize it. And then I watch the player over five years and watch as they're moving through these different thresholds and what age they're, you know, hitting these certain production thresholds. And these, these patterns emerge and these patterns have existed for decades and decades. Um, you know, the game has kind of changed around them a little bit, but these patterns are always consistent. So you know, a player looks a certain way and, you know, 80% of the time they make the NHL and you'll, you'll look back into the nineties, into the two thousands, into the 2010s. And that type of player always kind of maintains that same sort of probability of making the NHL or becoming a star in the NHL. And then the same thing for guys who are unlikely to make the NHL. If you look at, you know, the sample of this, this low scoring type of profile, um, you look back over the decades and, and sure enough, you know, 10, 15% of these guys make the NHL um, over that span. So that's basically what it's doing. It's, it's putting everything on the same level playing field so that you can use the same lens to look at these hundreds of players every year um, or, you know, from, from different years and, and being able to look back over, over 30 years of history and see, you know, all the examples of players that look like Johnny Gaudreau and then make the NHL and then turn into superstars. And most of them that look like Johnny Gaudreau do, right? So that's basically what it's doing. It's 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 trying to take out all these biases like age and size and nationality and what league players are coming from and put it all on the the same area so that you can see everything equally and and, and see what's really happening with these players and who tends to make it and who doesn't. Yeah, I love using Gaudreau as an example. <laughs> 
when, when I send your, your model to different people, just cause if you look at him, you know, he is, it's pretty incredible. Um, but if you look at your model, he, he ranks pretty, he, he, he grades out pretty well, really well under your model. I think his, his D three year was really, really awesome. Yeah. Um, but I remember it's like, I think you tweeted this a while ago. He is the, what he's the, he's the only player out, outside of Kucherov to be drafted outside the first round. Um, and he scored like this, the second highest point per game out of like everybody drafted outside of the first round in the past 20 yeah. years. That's yeah. Just nuts. Yeah. I think the last 20 years, he's the only, yeah. Him and Kucherov have the highest point per game. Um, pace out of anybody drafted outside the first round so i mean that's yeah to get that type of value out of a fourth rounder is just phenomenal like that's what that's what the model's trying to pick up on right like gaudreau didn't look like a superstar when he was drafted Mm -hmm. but i think he had like a 60 percent chance of becoming an nhler and he had you know a 15 percent chance of turning into a star whereas you know at that point in the draft like you're basically looking at a whole bunch of guys that have a 20% chance or a 10% chance of making the NHL and you have this guy sneaking through the weeds and he's super young like he's you know about a month away from being considered for basically the 2012 draft so you start to look at those things and you know there's not a lot of players that look like that so that's that's what it's really trying to do you're trying to cash in on on those types of players that are kind of sneaking under the radar that you know fast forward two or three years and this guy's coming into the NHL and he looks like he's going to be a superstar and 10 games in he is. Right. So. Yeah. That's cool. I love how, like you said, it's all based on the probabilities, right? You're taking all the emotion and all this kind of old GM nonsense out. Like he's size short, he's short, you guys. He's grit. He's gritty. He's got size. He's whatever. Um, but like you said, if you play then it's all about numbers. I mean, so many aspects of life and business are right. You just play those probabilities enough times you're going to get those guys. Um, the other thing I, I think is cool is your model is, is taking into account all the leagues and how they're different. I mean, I always look at the NCAA. It's like, what do these guys play? They play 35 games and there's like, there's like no scoring in that league compared to leagues like the WHL. Right. So pretty cool that your model is able to do that. Cause I mean, that to me, those are not apples to apples, those leagues. Yeah, no, for sure. Like every league is significantly different from the other right and then you know the thing with the ncaa is it's it's an okay league but like it's i don't know probably about 20 percent better than like the canadian junior leagues but you have these guys that like go off to college and then you know the big thing with my model is is the age um parameter so you know the younger you can hit these huge thresholds the better and you have these guys in college where they start putting up like a point and a half per game or two points per game and they're like these unsigned free agents and so by the time you know the free agent frenzy opens up for these ncaa players and teams are lining up to sign them up you know these guys have these big equivalencies but if you look back a lot of these guys you know they had super low production until they're you know in their early to mid 20s and now they're like 24 25 and they're much bigger than everybody else at college a lot of the time and now they're putting up this huge production, but then they they basically don't even make the NHL or they make the NHL as basically like a fourth liner putting up 20 points a year. But when you look at them in the model, like they look like they have no chance because they're hitting those marks way too late in life type things. So yeah, that's that's kind of a lot of what the, the model's doing and, and trying to show you, um, yeah, this player that you're chasing, you know, like this Panarin in in Europe, this guy looks like he's going to be great. And he's, he's been great ever since his draft year. And then this guy that you're chasing in the NCAA, you know, he probably won't even make the NHL type thing. So. Right. Yeah, that's neat. So you, in your mall specifically, we were looking at this um, not too long ago. Yeah. The flames actually ranked number six in terms of prospect pool. Now this is obviously much different than most models out there. Um, can you speak to why, uh, you have the flames ranked so high. It's very encouraging. Obviously there's a flames fantasy. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, each one of these, uh, these rankings are all different in terms of, you know, what's included and what's not included. Um, like the big thing with mine is it essentially includes everybody drafted from 2016 on, but removes anybody who's already played a hundred or more games in the NHL. Whereas if you look at some of those ones like Pronman's and stuff from the athletic, they, they kind of have an age cutoff, but you can still include guys in there that, you know, have played a hundred, 200, 300 NHL games. 
So mine doesn't do that. So that's one big difference. But yeah, the reason why the flames rank so high is there's kind of all these different components to my ranking. So there's, you know, there's essentially four skater components and then there's a, a goalie component. And they basically rank, you know, pretty good across the board. They're, there's two components that kind of rank their, their top five prospects in their system. So in terms of their, their, their star probability and their NHL probability. And if you look at their five that kind of fit into there, that still count, you have Valimaki, you have Zari, Coronado, Peltier, um, and then I think I had Phillips in there. And like, that's a pretty good group of a top five. Like there's some good star potential in there, especially with Zari, Coronado and, and Balamaki. And then the NHL probability, like all five of those guys have a really good chance of making it. You know, um, you look back at, at, at sort of the other teams, like some teams have not a whole lot in their system or they don't have a whole lot in their top five. Um, but the flames, you know, it, 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 it looks pretty good. And then if you look at their system overall, that's kind of the other two skater rankings. They have a lot of guys in the system that have, you know, at least like a, a 30, 40% chance of becoming an NHLer, you know? So when it nets out, it looks like they have about nine guys in their system right now that haven't played a hundred games that should kind of get there or should play a hundred to 200 games. And, you know, most teams probably have six or seven guys in their system or maybe eight but the flames have nine so that's what kind of shoots them up there and then also the goalie component so the two guys that they actually got basically on on the free agent day in, in blader and um werner they actually look pretty good in, in my new goalie model that i built so when you add it all up like they basically have like all these different components whereas some teams might have a couple good looking pieces they have a couple good you know, superstar potential pieces, but the rest of their system, like there's nothing else in there. Or some, some teams like Detroit and Carolina have a lot of um, pieces that could make the NHL, like more than anybody else. But if you actually look at their top five, they don't have a lot of, you know, superstar potential in their top five. So that's why Calgary kind of ranks out like that because they're, they're kind of, you know, well above average right across the board. And that's what kind of brings them up to the, the sixth spot in, in my rankings. Cool. Love it. Yeah, Werner um, and Vladar are interesting guys because they're a little bit older. I know um, a lot of Flames fans are really stoked on Dustin Wolf. How does Wolf kind of fit into your fit into your rankings, and what's what's your general consensus on on old Dustin? So Wolf, he doesn't look as good in in my model as I would figure even myself yet. But I mean, there's kind of a reason for that. One is with my model, it tends to favor European guys because what I found with my research is um, often for a goalie to make the NHL, they need to face like men competition as early as possible. And a lot of these, you know, these guys from the, the CHL and from the NCAA and the USHL and that type of thing, they can't, they're basically almost screwed a little bit with with the system because they have to stay in their league unless they jump right to the NHL. They have to stay in their league for a few years until they can go up to the HL. But in Europe, you can bounce around from the junior league straight up to the pro leagues, like on a game by game basis. So they can be developed more to be facing men competition early. So that's kind of the, the big hit on Wolf. And the other thing is he's really small. Um, the goalie model as, you know, scouts and, and everybody else that kind of favors big goalies. Cause you're, cover this little square so it's it's good to be big in this case you know more so than than skaters because you're covering this little surface of net uh, so he's really small so that kind of dings him as well but I mean his his numbers are actually like insanely rare like he's had a, a save percentage I think over 0.92 like all three years of his development essentially from his pre-draft year to his is now d plus two which is that is exceptionally rare to be basically starting and having a um, save percentage that high in any league is exceptionally rare. So he kind of has these anecdotal things that, you know, you see and you're like, Oh, this, this guy could have some potential, but right now in the model, he doesn't, he doesn't show great. But if he starts putting up numbers like that in the AHL or in the NHL, like super early as in next year, and he kind of maintains that same sort of ridiculous save percentage, then he's going to shoot up and he's, he's going to turn into a really good prospect for, for the flames as well, but he's probably, you know, you probably are looking at at least one or two years in the NHL before you see him kind of get more than a handful of starts in the NHL for sure. If you had to force him in the players list, where do you think you would 
slot him in the in the top ten for the Flames prospects. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'd probably put him maybe like sixth or seventh. You know, yeah. you have Balamaki, Coronado, Zari, Peltier. I would probably put Phillips in there because he's basically, you know, done everything he can. He's he's essentially if if he's going to make the NHL, he's NHL ready right now. Um, so he's kind of going to make it or he's not going to. And then yeah, I would put probably Wolf right there. Um, you know, in that six seven hole. Okay. It looks like when we pulled this up, you had uh, Ilya Solovia or whatever in, in, at rank number three. His uh, his NHL probability was quite high. Um, yeah. can, can we talk about him for a minute? Because he's kind of like an under-the-radar guy. Um, yeah. He was a guy who I think was passed up twice, like two, two years of yeah. draft eligibility, and then Flames took him in the seventh round. Um, what are your thoughts on Soloviev? I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Cause every yeah, time I go I, to I say it, I say it wrong. Russian names, right? Yeah. That's close enough anyway. Cause he is kind of an interesting guy. Cause I think like the closest, I think people kind of see him as like, maybe like a Jan Kuznetsov, like pure defensive guy, but he does there. There is some signs that he might have some offensive upside. Yeah. So he's, he's kind of this very rare, interesting case. It's sort of, it's kind of a funny one in the model. So basically he was playing, I think in like the, junior belarus and then the the major belarus league um from his d minus one to his his d d1 season um so then those are not leagues that i track because nobody comes from there so basically i have like 50 leagues that i sort of track throughout this model and then if players kind of never come from a certain league then i just sort of leave that open um as not a league that i track so he basically has this three-year history where he's playing in this league that that nobody comes from so he doesn't have any history in the model beforehand and then his only history now is i think he went to the ohl and he was basically like a point per game defenseman in in the ohl when he was drafted in his his d2 year and then he went off to the khl and you know he was he put up some some decent production there so basically what's happening in the model is is it doesn't see any any bad years to ding him because he doesn't have any history and the only years he has only two years he has out of the five-year track he looks you know to have well above average production. It's coming a little, little bit later, but that's because that's what's kind of happening. And when you look at, you know, the few players that kind of look like this, like more, more of them than you would assume make the NHL, you know, 50, 60% of these guys actually make the NHL because they, they just kind of have this later starting point, but you don't have those years to say, oh yeah, like this guy had like horrible production in his draft year. So this is going to sink him down by, 20, 30%. That's not really happening in the model. So he's kind of a funny one. I'm, I'm curious if, if he actually makes it, but yeah, like when I, when I look at it kind of very specifically to the cases that, that look like him, like there's not a lot of them, but a decent amount of them make it. So he's kind of, yeah, he's kind of a unique case. And I'm curious what he, what he looks like in a couple of years for sure. Yeah. He'll probably be in with the heat this year. Um, what are your thoughts on Jacob Pelche? Because I know he has a pretty high NHL probability, but his, uh, I think his, uh, the probability of him being a star is a little bit lower. Uh, what are your thoughts on Pelche heading into next year? Yeah. So exactly that, like, you know, it sounds like he has like the compete and sort of the, the motivation um, and the skill to play like kind of a two-way game. Mm-hmm. So right now his, his chances of making the NHL are about 61%. He's kind of had this consistent, you know, um, above average equivalency, um, basically like his whole life, but he's not hitting those like super, super high numbers that are indicative of of a star anyway. So I don't think he's going to be anything close to, you know, a star or superstar. Like you're not looking at like a Johnny Gaudreau, Matthew Kachuk type thing, but probably, you know, I certainly think he's going to make it based on everything you hear about him. Um, but he'll kind of be more like a, a middle six or, you know, 30 to 40 point guy. I would, I would estimate with him. Cool. Um, I hope you're okay with just kind of going through a few guys name by name here. Um, Roy Kearns. Yeah. So he's, uh, he was drafted in 2020. Um, he looks good. Um, you know, kind of one of these above average equivalencies in his draft year. The big thing with him is he's from the OHL and it, got completely wiped out last year and he didn't go off right. anywhere else. So he basically essentially just lost one of his biggest development years um, because of the pandemic. So, you know, 
basically your, your big years are your draft year and your D1 year. Those are the years where, you know, you, you see the biggest growth. And when you make those big jumps, that's the highest likelihood of, of you making the NHL and you turn it into a star type thing. So he just missed that. So that's, that might hurt his development, but yeah, I love, I love that pick as a, as a late pick for sure. One of those guys that, you know, in a couple of years could sneak in there. He's probably, you know, three to five years away from, from being in the NHL if he does make it, but yeah, certainly a, a good pick and um, be curious to see what he does now missing that year and how, you know, what type of leap he makes in his D plus two, because now you're going to be competing with all these guys that, you know, miss their draft year and miss their D1 year. And these guys that are in kind of their, their final, these overagers that are in their final try to get drafted or get signed by a team. So yeah, be curious to see what he does this year for sure. Cole Hawkins is an interesting name to some people because um, he's big. Um, I, I, I have really respected tree living's uh, willingness to, you know, like you said, take, take chances on, on smaller guys. Um, Cole Hawkins is a big boy. He's six, three, he's a centerman. He had, it looks like he has some offensive potential. I, I, I know he, he ranks relatively high, highly in, in your rankings. Um, tell us, tell us a little bit about Cole Hawkins, what you see from him. And he's going to the queue again next year, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's, uh, like, this is that type of, um, you know, call it good bigness that you want to be drafting. Like right. he actually has like some pretty good upset. I, I think he's pretty young as well. And he kind of hits this, you know, above average equivalency that I'm sort of looking for, especially in your draft year. This is one of these kind of under the radar guys that he has. Um, yeah. So I really like this pick. I mean, he's big, which, which helps like my sort of mantra is, you know, if you have the choice between two superstars and one of them is 6'4", 220 pounds, and the other one is 5'8", like, obviously take the 6'4 one. Mm -hmm. But if your choices are like, you know, a soda machine and a small guy that has like really good upside, like Matthew Phillips, then take Matthew Phillips. But in this case, you're kind of looking at that Matthew Phillips type projection, but a taller guy. So it's, it's perfect. That's exactly the type of pick that you, you hope to land, um, you know, in the kind of second, third, fourth round type thing. So yeah, I, I love that pick and I think he has some, some good upside for sure. You mentioned it uh, a little bit before Matt Phillips, it's kind of like now or never type thing. Do you, what do you see? Because I don't know, like for me and a, a lot of fans, like maybe I'm like overly stoked on Matt Phillips and I just want this guy to get a chance to, to prove he can do it. Cause I think he can, do you think he gets that chance this year? <laughs> well Sutter's still a coach so you know who knows um he does not seem to like the the small skilled guys that aren't like Johnny Gaudreau superstar types um just kind of you know anecdotally watching him throughout the years so you know I'd like to think that he's gonna at least get into 20 or 30 games this year you figure he's you know he's done everything he can that he's going to get his chance or maybe he gets traded out and it happens with another team. But yeah, I mean, he is, he is so, so small that like, I just don't know if he's going to make it, but um, yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't really base my decision either way. Um, he's done everything he can and, and, you know, it's up to up to the coaches to get him an opportunity, but Man, he's tiny. I just, I don't know if he's going to get Well, I know. I, re I watched him a, a lot more last year, just, you know, because the Heat were in Calgary and stuff. And when he played that first game, I was like, man, he is small. Yeah. He is so small. Uh, I thought he looked great in that game, but boy, that guy's small. Um, yeah. just, uh, just to follow up on another small guy I know you you like, just a quick word on on Ryan Francis. I think he was, um, for me, I, I think for you, for a lot of people, is one of the picks from last year's draft that we all really liked. Yeah, for sure. He's, um, yeah, like, um, you know, the way he looked in the draft, like, again, not like outstanding, but but pretty good. There's a lot worse picks that go in the in the later rounds. And I mean, there's a lot of even first round talents that profile like him that, you know, go in the first round, mostly towards the end of the first round. Obviously, those first rounders have like intangibles and stuff that aren't Ryan Francis, but you know, he looks pretty good. And then last year he took a nice step forward and jumped up quite a bit there um, with his D one season. So that's the type of progression that you want to see. So if he can take another jump from that this year, then, you know, you're going to be looking at a guy with like a, you know, 
60, 65% chance of making the NHL. And I think right now he's kind of in the fifties or something, but um, yeah, like if, if you see that nice steady growth, that's the type of player that, that comes through from those late rounds and makes the NHL. So um, another big jump like that. And, and he's probably going to be on the radar for making the NHL maybe even by his D3 or, or by his D4 season. Cool. Cool. We, we touched on pretty much your top 10 out of the model. Um, can you give us one, give us one calculated hot take that you want to just throw out there? It may or may not come true, but if it did, it would be awesome. Give us a hot take based on your, you know, probabilities. It might, might happen. For the flames. Yeah. Give us something juicy. Uh, hot, hot take does not have to be accurate. It doesn't have to happen. <laughs> it doesn't have to be that hot either. Too. Uh I think uh, either Coronado or Zari is going to be like a pretty substantial star, like a, you know, a 60 point plus plus player in the NHL. Hells I don't yeah. know which one, but I think one of them is. Okay. Hells we're going to, we're going to shift to the flames in just a sec to kind of close things out. But um, the one guy we did want to ask you about is Jeremy Poirier because he doesn't make the top 10 list because he's not, He's pretty one-dimensional, but what do you what are your thoughts on Poirier as a whole? Because he's a D-man that puts up a lot of offensive offensive um, production. Yeah, he's uh, like when they traded back in that 2020 draft, and then he was one of the picks. Like I was so excited about that because yeah, he is pretty one-dimensional. Like a lot of people say he should just play forward because he's you know not very good at the defensive side, but. That type of like point per game, you know, or close to point per game production as a defenseman that early in your career, like that's, that's a good sign of, of, you know, a guy who's, who, who could make the NHL. Um, I think he's actually like just below actually hitting like a whole new level in, in the model and, and jumping up quite a bit, but he kind of just missed out on that sort of threshold measure um, last year. So yeah, I really, I really like that pick um excited to see what he does this year when he goes back if he can you know kind of turn into even more of a sort of offensive defenseman you know improve by 10 to 20 percent that's going to be a big a big boost for him and you know I, how does he fit in in the nhl if if you know his defense is so subpar as it's kind of being discussed um i'm not sure maybe the for the oilers hey what's that you can play for the oilers yeah exactly so yeah i mean there's a, there's a good chance there that he's an NHLer. I don't I don't know how he's going to slot in, but yeah, I, I I like that guy a lot, and especially where they got him, and you know, basically for free. I mean, they didn't have that pick, you know, 24 hours before, so yeah, that's that's found money right there. Okay, do you want to touch on Emil Heineman at all? I just thought maybe a quick word on Heineman, just because he is maybe somebody the flame a lot of Flames fans aren't super familiar with, being seeing that he was drafted by the Panthers and acquired in, in the Sam Bennett trade. Um, do you, do you like Emil Heineman as a pickup for the flames into their, into their group? Yeah. I mean, I think he's, he's okay. Um, you know, another one of these guys that, you know, looks, looks decent at the draft, looks like a good bet. He hasn't, he hasn't evolved, um, very swiftly or, you know, he's kind of stagnated a little bit in the Swedish leagues since he's been drafted. So you're not seeing those big jumps. So then, you know, that probability of making the NHL is starting to drop a little bit, but there's still some time there. There's still some runway that he can, uh, he can develop and sort of emerge as something. So yeah, I didn't mind that one. Um, you know, basically getting, getting two second rounders for, for Sam Bennett. I mean, that was, that was a good trade by my books and, yeah. and hopefully Sam goes off to Florida and turns into a big stud, but um, yeah, there's some potential there. Um, like, like I put it, like, I think they have about nine guys in their system that are going to, you know, make it to a hundred to 200 games type thing. And, you know, there's this whole kind of group of all these guys like Francis and Poirier and Stromgren. And, you know, I would put, I would put Heineman in there as well. So um, some of those guys are going to make it and, and some of them, some of them won't, but they have a good bucket of players that look like they have good potential to make it anyways. Okay. Uh, last topic. Let's talk about the current team. I mean, we look back at uh, 1819 when the team finished first in the West. Everybody thought they were the real thing. Then the then the team, the organization starts to go in a, in a way different direction. They don't uh, focus so much on goal scoring and offense. They try to, to to change their style, play a play more defensive game, and that's 
basically brought us to where we are now with hiring, uh, hiring Dale Sutter last season. Where do you see this team? Um, how do you see them faring out in the Pacific Division next next season? What are some things that you picked up in terms of what's happened in the last three seasons that stuck out? Yeah, no, it was uh, it was a good run that six months where they were really good um, <laughs> in 2019, <laughs> and then it all went back to mediocrity. Uh, I mean, that's that's kind of where I see it going this year. Is you know, that's the Calgary Flames sort of motto is average at all times always so i mean that's probably where they'll be in the division you know they'll probably finish third or fourth in the division you know might sneak into a playoff spot but probably won't type thing unless you know unless they make a big trade for eichel or that type of thing and make and acquire you know a big piece that they don't have right now i mean if you look at their roster like it's it's just it's just kind of average across the board. Like there's, there's nothing in there that suggests, oh, they might jump up massive this year. I maybe, maybe with, with, with Daryl Sutter's coaching strategies and it starts to pay off this year. Like there were some, some inklings in the underlying data that like, you know, their, their goals for expected and stuff was starting to creep up last year under Sutter. But you know, what does that look like over a whole year with Sutter, like driving the guys, you know, um, and, and harping on them, that type of thing. Like, you know, do players start to get fed up halfway through the year or, or is it, is there some, some, some momentum that you're able to maintain from that and start to get some, some success and some wins and then, and then maybe end up in a better spot, but it just seems like, yeah, they'll kind of be in that, you know, seven to 10 hole in the West and, and kind of, you know, the four spot in the division type thing just feels feels right in their wheelhouse all right last one uh johnny gaudreau we love johnny gaudreau you love johnny gaudreau he's he's ufa after next year mm-hmm. what's the future hold for johnny gaudreau good question <laughs> i'm not sure i would love that they resign him he's yeah like i i love johnny gaudreau i think he's fantastic like i said like you don't get that type of point production you know, especially from a fourth rounder, like ever, um, he's the flames best player, essentially, like they should basically be lining up to, to resign him, but who knows if that's happening, but yeah, I hope they resign him. I hope we hear about that very shortly that they've resigned him for, you know, six to eight years. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if, it, if they kind of wait to the season and see how they're doing. And then if, you know, if they're not very good out of the gates, I mean, I mean, maybe Johnny's, thinking that maybe he doesn't want to resign, but mm-hmm. all, all signs are he loves it here and he, he wants to return. And I certainly hope he does, but who knows, who knows what they're thinking up there. Cool, man. Well, we really appreciate you, you joining us. Your knowledge is second to none on flames prospects. Um, your, your website is awesome. Your, your model is awesome. I use it. I highly suggest everyone else go use it. It's hockeyprospecting.com. Any, anywhere else people can find you or you want, you want to plug anything else? You're on Twitter. You're uh, yeah, a good just, follow on Twitter. Yeah. Twitter is Byron M. Bader. Um, so I post little factoids about players and the site and stuff. And if you have any questions and hit me up there. Cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Okay. Well, there's Byron Bader. Um, lots of cool information kicking around his head and in his models as well. What stood out? What stood out for you? Well, I think the fact that the Flames have kind of uh, turned their drafts around in the last two years specifically, because I do think Brad kind of has this rep for like, he sucks at everything, but he's really good at drafting when it's like, it's really only been like the last, the first few years, then the last two years, like that middle chunk. And Byron mentioned it where it's like they thought they were like contenders or something and were making bad picks in general. Like you look at their picks between like 2017, 18 and 19, like really not very good. Like in 2018, because they tri- blew their load on Hamannick, they had it. They didn't have a pick until the fourth round. So fuck. And then like the next year, they didn't have their second round pick the year prior. They didn't have a second or a third. So like, 
I mean, it's encouraging, I guess, that they've maybe kind of learned their lesson and are now like, yeah, we should maybe start building through the draft. Geez, hey. So we touched on Matt Phillips. Um, look, we don't know if well, they should just trade him. Yeah, it's kind of like a Shillington thing. It's like, well, just trade him if you're not going to play him, right? If you're the type of organization that will never give this guy a fucking chance, why would you hang on to him forever? Why would you try and get something back for him? Because I think in a different situation on a different team, he could be playing in the NHL right now. Totally. I mean, you if you've watched him play at the AHL level, like in 2019-2020, uh, he had a really good AHL season. He had like 33 points in 38 games. Last year, he was very good, 21 points in 30 games. Everybody saw him. He was a spark plug in that one game he played. Yep. But he's like 140 pounds. <laughs> Tiny. But like, so what? Like, give him a shot. Like I said uh, many times on this show, like if Brett Ritchie is on the starting lineup and Matt Phillips is not, I might have a breakdown. Like either it's like with Shillington, give him a chance or trade him. I don't understand this, like hoarding guys. And then they'll probably like not even qualify him in a few years. And then he'll just go to another team and be awesome. Like that's well, probably what's going to happen. You already know that that's going to happen, that Phillips will not make the starting roster. Richie will. So, I hope you don't have a breakdown prepare, expecting prepare that to happen. Prepare yourself. Is that you're saying? Prepare. You don't have to prepare. You already know what's going to happen. So, but yeah, you're right. Like if you look at what's the purpose of having a farm team, if you're an NHL club, if you're Bradshaw living and you're running this Calgary Flames team, what is the purpose of your AHL roster? It's is not to make money, right? It's to it's to supplement your team. Have a a place where players can develop that might eventually play on your team. What would be the point of keeping them if you're never going to give them a shot on your current roster? When there is perceived value there elsewhere, you should be able to get something in return for them, whether it's just a late draft picked. I don't know. Or well, and the thing is part of like, a trade, right? Another trade. It's more of a philosophical thing. He's a top 10 prospect, for yeah, crying right. out loud. Because what is one of the one ways that successful teams uh, like the Tampa Bay Lightning like have so many really good expensive players on their team and are still like able to win is because they supplement a lot of their bottom rotation guys or just guys in the lineup with entry-level guys who are cheap and really cheap. It's like you haven't really given anyone else that shot. Like, okay, maybe Dubé for sure. I guess Manjapani because he earned the shit out of it, but you know, like we haven't really seen anybody else. So it's like, if it's not anybody else, why not give Phillips a chance? Like for once, like, could you, could you, could like, you just come on? Like he's, <laughs> he's not going to be Johnny Gaudreau, but I mean, he could be a useful skilled guy on a team that is desperately lacking skill and desperately lacking speed and desperately lacking scoring. Like I see no reason why your team wouldn't be better with Matt Phillips on the fourth line or on the third line than with, brett fucking richie out there like i just don't get it yeah that brett richie thinks a bit i don't like i don't even know why we resigned this guy yeah like and i don't even mean to rag on the flames because i think it is maybe a bit unfair it's like oh they never let young guys play because like i said like dubay you know they have no problem with dubay well sutter kind of did uh valimaki but you know you see guys with potential who we think could be good and are more importantly for anything for everybody cheap they're cheap you can fill them out for free. So instead of spending assets and money and millions of dollars on shitty guys because they're big in NHL and 29, you could just plug in these guys who are just as good, be more impactful, and they're cheap as shit. So that's what I've never understood from a philosophical point of view. It's like, yeah, we want Brandon Bowling in our bottom six instead of Paul Byron. It's like, oh, okay, good one. <laughs> How'd that turn out? Jeez. Okay, the other thing that stood out, um, we asked him about this current roster where he projects them for next season. Um, Kent was a little more optimistic, I think, than Byron was. Maybe Byron just been burnt too hard too many times, like we all have. But uh, he basically sees him as a bubble team. Now, I, I don't know. Like, if you're looking, look, if they're in a different division, Right, if they're in the, the the same division as the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Boston Bruins, yeah, I don't see. It. But because it's the Pacific, 
Pacific has to be the weakest division this in the NHL this upcoming season, does it not? See, but I keep thinking that, and then I'm reminded, like, we were saying the same thing last year with the North. We were like, okay, the Flames might not be good, but the North division sucks. <laughs> we were yeah. like, okay, you pretty much have Toronto to compete with. Like, because is, is the Pacific division any worse than the North was last year? Uh, like, you were going up against Ottawa. Bit. You played Ottawa 10 fucking times, dude. Couldn't beat them. <laughs> beat them so like you're telling me they're gonna get a free pass with la and anaheim so i understand where that kind of comes from and i think i think for most people who are like analyst are, are rooting a lot of their analysis in in like analytics and stuff i do think the geo loss not replacing geo is like weighing heavily on pretty much everybody's mind because and maybe i'm maybe we're all way off on this but like shh, that just that just that d look like it is so fragile right now like that i think that is kind of the the one thing that everybody's thinking about fuck and i mean the fact that they can't score and didn't really address their scoring still and it's like well what do you do there's just so many question marks but um it's gonna take um a well-executed setter system to see success this this season which is it what, what we're all banking on that's what brad's banking on Brad's got a fire right right below his butthole, just like hoping that Daryl Sutter can uh, turn this mess around. It's like a little Bunsen burner, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Bunsen burner. Cool. cool. Um, because I, I don't know. I saw like an article. Was it in Hockey News or something? That like somebody was like, Daryl Sutter on the hot seat next year. Like, no, he's not on the hot seat. It's like they will. Daryl Sutter could be here for 20 more years. Like Brad Living's the one who's going to fall off the flames don't get this shit together this year so i love how people are just like yeah you know you only get three coaches meanwhile if if he fires <laughs> daryl it's gonna be like his 12th coach <laughs> holy fuck oh, eh? boy all right anything else you want to throw in there before we we close it off um no i don't know like nothing's really been going on it's it's the dog days here man the dog is a summer. Brad Living still hasn't done anything since the last time we talked. We're getting close to Mike Stone season, though. It's got to <sighs> be coming soon. Hey, it's September Oh, you know now. what we didn't talk about is Dubé signing. Oh, yeah, Dubé. Forgot. So what did he get? Was it three years? So he got three years, 2.3 mil per season. Um, I, lo- I love how he locks Dubé up, but not much. Yeah, that I was mean- my first retort. Everyone's like, oh, sweet contract. I was like, well, where's... Why you you finagle and uh, nickel and dime Manjapani? What are you doing, Brad? So I don't know. I thought it was, I was surprised to be honest. Um, both term and dollar, like a little bit, like it's it's not crazy, but I mean, three years, two point three, like I was surprised. What do you what do you what do you think? What would you have done? Well. I don't know. It kind of depends. Like, honestly, my priority would be locking Manjapani up or Kudrow up. Um, I don't know. I probably, maybe if you, because the thing is with Dubé, like, it's probably a safe bet. Like, he hasn't earned it yet. They kind of have reversed this with Manjapani, right? Where instead of locking him up for longer and then, like, having him be a great player and making less uh, in terms of average annual value and, like, you know, having a home run value contract where Manjapani is one of the best players on the team and making like 4 million. They just kind of bridged them. They did the opposite with Dubé. Like before he has shown that he is going to be an impact maker, they've got him at a cheaper dollar. So, I mean, if Dubé continues to progress and becomes an offensive force, 20 goal score, like this is going to be good, really good value in what, two years next year, next year. It's just a little high, I think for based on what he's done which is not much. So they're banking on him breaking out for sure. I hope he does. I think he can. Oh, he totally can. If the team, if, if, if the team doesn't say, yo, Dylan, you're going to play against the, you're going to be on our shutdown line. Okay. Yeah. I know you suck at defense, but you, you're going to shut down. You're going to play with Chuck and uh, Lindholm against uh, Connor McDavid. Okay. Jeff Ford. How many goals do you think he'll score this season? Well, I, if he plays a full season, you got to hope he's in the 15 to 20 range. I, I I think he can hit 20. What did he have last year? 13, 12? 
he had 12, I think, because he had that hat trick that one game. That's all I remember. He had 11 goals last year. He played 51 games, 11 goals. Um, so, yeah, I think he, sh- he should be expected to be in the 20 range for sure. Um, it kind of depends how they utilize him, right? Like, well, that's the thing is like, because if you know, we keep having these conversations about the, what's the roster going to look like, yada, yada, yada. It's like, oh, yeah, we have Dubé. Yeah. So it's kind of like, where is he going to fit? I, he's probably going to be a staple on the third line, I would imagine. I don't, I hope they don't utilize him on the fourth line. That no, me neither. I will be quite annoyed. Like, I don't know. I think, uh, I guess they're not trading Monahan, eh? Jeez. Um, we talking about Brad's done, dude. It's the fall of Brad. Oh God! Eh? Like uh, and a Mo- and I the idea of like a Monahan, Dubé, Matthew Phillips, like a, an offensive third line intrigues me. He will get more power play time for sure. Um, he's not going to be heavily like. <laughs> did you see Jay Fresh? Yeah, Jay Fresh when Dubé signed, he put out a tweet. <laughs> yeah. He put out his card. He's like, because on Jay Fresh's analytics cards, he had he accounts for quality of competition. And it's like Dubé's numbers are pretty meh, but then his quality of competition is like in the 90th percentile. And Jay Fresh is like, what the shit? Is he like a fourth liner who just plays against other teams' best players all the time? No, I think he was like, does he just start the game on the top line? And then by the end of the yeah. game, he's he's on the fourth line. <laughs> We're like, yeah, that's pretty yeah, much that's what a, happens. That's exactly what happens. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Oh, that's so dumb. So it, yeah, utilized properly. He should be a good offensive player. Um, he does need to take a step this year, though, because I think I think he hit a he definitely hit a wall. Um, like because playing was, against like, the league's top competition, yeah, exactly. yeah you got to sure. take the context, right? But like, I mean, after that playoff where he, he and Lucic and Bennett were like phenomenal, and he looked really good specifically, and was like looked like a monster. I think we all kind of expected him to be like the breakout guy this year, and he didn't quite get there for a lot of reasons, but I, he does need to take a step this upcoming year for sure. Yeah. I mean, he did show a lot of signs last season. How many goals pick a number? Give me a number. I'm going to say 22. Yeah. I'm going to say like 20. I'm, I'll go even 20. And the other thing is too, like Dubé is an important, important piece on this team right now, because guess what? The flames are slow as shit. <laughs> and he's one guy who can motor. He's one guy who can move the puck up the ice. And I know everybody's kind of like, oh, he's not a Sutter guy. Sutter was mean to him last year, blah, blah, blah. But he is a really good four checker, right? Like he he does have some, he does have a skill set that I think will translate yeah. pretty well in, in a Daryl, in a Daryl Sutter uh, system, specifically in the offensive zone. So I'm well, not too worried about like Daryl Sutter, like shitting on Dubé all year because I think he'll be okay. And when Daryl Sutter shits on Dubé, I think honestly, He's more so shitting on on the style of play that Dubé learned under Jeff Ward. Yeah, exactly. It's not it's not shitting on Dubé and what he brings to the table. I think all he same thing with Val Mackey. I think all he's when he fo- when he's focused on those guys, singles them out. I think all he's doing is trying to turn around all the shit that was uh, just the way this team started to play under Jeff Ward. I mean, you saw that. I think who somebody posted that. With the, with the two coaching, what metric was that? We, we saw the Oh, two yeah, turn. Micah from Hockey Viz posted, like, his uh, his model's, like, isolated impact of of, of coaches, um, just, and like, I, based on their system, expected goal rights under, under different coaches' systems. <laughs> and Daryl was actually best in the league. And guess who was the worst in the league? Literally, bottom left, all alone, Jeff Ward. Top right. Kind of all alone with he's he was he was in the, the furthest top right you can get. He was an out, uh, he was Ward was the outlier. It was pretty funny. Fuck. So I don't know. Give them a if, you, if the, you haven't seen that graph, go to Kent Wilson. I think he tweeted it out or you retweeted it too, right? Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I think you got to give at least we're going to know exactly what this team is capable of a third of the way through the season. Daryl Sutter did a good job in riding the ship before the season ended with a little runway he had left. Wasn't enough to get us in the playoffs. But these guys know what they're, what style of play they're supposed to be playing to start game one this next season. So I don't think it's going to take much of an adjustment this season. So I think maybe even a quarter. You're going to know a quarter of the season into it. So after, what, 20 
20 games just 20 games ish we're gonna know what to expect we're going to see we're gonna that's what that's what i predict anyways okay we got a it's a dog days brad you're living sex to sit around and do nothing so there won't be much to talk about but we have a fun uh fun podcast lined up for the next one and uh, working on getting another another good guest on before the season starts. As always, thanks for listening. Hey, you made it. It's the end of the podcast. If you liked this episode, please do us a favor. Take a sec and leave a rating and review on the Apple Podcast app. You can help us grow the audience and introduce some more unfortunate Flames fans to the show. So do it, do it. Super easy. It just takes a second. Just tap on the show, scroll down, leave a rating slash review. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We will see you on the next one.